celebrating hope again this morning, church. It's so good to be in the water of baptism this morning with Shenril. She has uh, endured so much to come to this day of celebration. You know, she went through a whole lot of heartbreak in her life, uh, from being abused as a child to being in an abusive relationship as an adult and going through the tragic murder a few years ago of her sister. But through it all, Jesus has been reaching out and compelling her to come into her hope, into his hope with his love. And so today, Shenriel's letting us know, her faith community, of her journey to this point of celebrating what she's done personally in her life and making it public today. Personally, she asked Jesus to be the Lord and leader of her life, and I'm gonna affirm that in a moment. But through that, she found herself with uh, a mentor outside the church who led her into some more demonic kind of practices. And it wasn't until she reached out and found new hope that she came back into the right relationship with Jesus. And as Proverbs 3 declares, she has started to put her, all of her trust and acknowledging Jesus in all of her ways, not leaning on her own understanding and He is making her path straight. And so we're here to celebrate that today. And so, Jenriel, in front of all of your faith community, you got a beautiful smile. <laughs> I love this moment. Have you asked Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life? Yes. Amen. And is it your desire to follow Him all the days of your life? Yes. Praise God. Well, my sister, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah! Yeah! So good, so good. Oh, it's so wonderful to celebrate people going public with their faith. Now, right now, church, we're gonna continue in our Modnik series. Our senior pastor, Benji Kelly, is gonna continue with edition number four. And after this short introduction, will you give him a great welcome as he comes to teach us this morning? The kingdom of heaven is not of this world. The Bible says that we are to be in the world, come on, but not of the world. M, in God's kingdom, more is less. In this countercultural kingdom, upside down, backwards kingdom, the kingdom is more is less, and less is more. Oh, others first. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. D, descend into greatness. In our world, it's all about upward mobility. It's all about higher levels of greatness. Jesus comes and says, hey, watch me and I'll show you a better way to live. G, in the kingdom of God, generosity flows. When you get people coming to know Christ, you get people following the servant who laid down his life, then generosity starts to flow. In, not to us. In this countercultural kingdom, it's not about us. It's all about God, inclusivity. In the kingdom of God, there is no bias or prejudice. Everyone is welcome in the kingdom of God. King on a cross. Who would imagine that a king of a kingdom would end up splattered on a cross? What? Talking about fairness and lack thereof. But that's the kingdom that we're a part of. May what is up there 
come down here in and through New Hope Church. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Would you just keep all that going? Let's welcome the Hillsboro campus, Sanford campus, Kenya campus, Garner campus, Durham campus, and all of you online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are glad you are here. Um, man, we're glad you're here. What a great day. And God is just growing this church right out of this global pandemic. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that he is using us to do that. Amen. Hey, I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit's lead here. I, I, I have this um, strong impression in my spirit to do something right now, okay? Riley, are you back there? Riley, this brother serves every Sunday backstage. Come on up here, don't be shy. This guy takes care of my table. He takes care of all the props, not just once a month, not just twice a month. Like some of you serve like twice a month. And as I said last week, that's great. And so many of you signed up last week. This brother never misses a Sunday. And not only could I not do what I do without him, I don't even wanna imagine doing it without Riley, or as we call him, Rydog. Would you give it up for him? Give it up for him, love you, man. Hey, before I, before I get into it today, I just want to uh, take a moment and uh, let you know how grateful I am for you. A year ago, right at about a year ago, we all got sucker punched with a global pandemic. And we moved this church uh, from on-site to exclusively online. And uh, so many of you, this happened to me this week, like four different times I'm out in the community. People come up to me and they're like, yo, pastor, we love it. We're still with you. We're still online every single week. And that's encouraging because sometimes I don't know who all is still out there. Um, you're back and I praise God for you. But those of you who are online, man, just thank you for staying engaged. When you're ready, come on back. But my point is, can you believe it's been a year? A year ago. And here we are, here you are, you're still standing. God is still on his throne and he still is blessing. Yeah, New Hope Church. And it's just, I don't know, I can't, I can't believe it's been a year, but just way to go, way to go. Um, in less than a month, <clears throat> we have Easter. Can you believe it? Easter is right around the corner. And so I wanna go and give you a few uh, tidbits of information. This is also for those of you who are online. We're doing a couple of events that we hope will draw you out. Uh, here are the first two. It's on Saturday, not Sunday. Saturday, April 3rd, we are having an egg extravaganza. Y'all, this is epic. Get you some of this. We are going to have a helicopter hover over the Durham campus, drop out literally thousands of eggs for our children. And you're like, dude, I wish I could be a child. Come on out. You can get some. It's okay. No judgment here. Um, we're going to drop all these eggs out for the children and uh, all the campuses are invited to come here. And then right after that, we are going to have an outdoor worship celebration for Easter on uh, the 3rd, on Saturday at 5 p.m., right out there in the parking lot. It's going to be epic. And then on Sunday, we're gonna turn around and we're going to have sunrise services at each campus. Um, and then we're going to have Holy Communion at those uh, outside services. And then we're gonna move inside and have all of the services that you see there inside. And after all of those, including Saturday, 
we are going to be baptizing people. So if you wanna get baptized, if you've made a commitment to Christ, if you've never been baptized or you've never had a, a, a meaningful public confession of your faith, here's how you do it. Visit us online or you can text baptism to 59769. It's going to be great. Amen? Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for just a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for the beauty of your people. Thank you for the beauty of your church. And thank you for the beauty of the gospel. Father, I pray that every single person within the sound of my voice, whether they are at a physical campus or whether they are online, God, I pray that they would catch glimpses today of the beauty of the gospel and that they would respond accordingly. Father, we come and we gather in your name and we pray the prayer that you, Lord Jesus, taught us to pray so long ago out loud saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I know I don't normally do that, but the reason I did that is because there's that part of the Lord's prayer where we're asking God to bring the kingdom that is in heaven on earth. On earth as it is what? In heaven. And we're in a series titled Modernic. Everybody say Modernic. And uh, you might say, where's that G? We're keeping the G silent. Because the stuff that I'm talking to you about today, most generosity is best done in silence before you and almighty God. And so we're talking about this upside down, inside out, reversal nature of the kingdom. And so we're doing a series called Monic and each letter stands for something. What's the M stand for? Out loud, if you can read it. Ready, go. You guys sound great today. More is less. And way to bring it with your mask on so I can hear you. What's the O stand for? Mike Bro taught a message last week where he, he combined these two, and it was awesome. If you missed it, go to the YouTube channel and check it out. What's the D stand for? Descend into greatness. This week, I want to talk to you about the fact that in the Modnik, generosity flows. In the Modnik, what church? Generosity flows. Got a little deal up here, a little water feature. I brought it out of the Nehemiah prayer room. When you plug it on the thing, you gotta, you gotta pray and you gotta hope by faith that it starts. It, there's a little lag time. It takes, a, it's kind of like some of you. <laughs> oh no, he didn't. Oh yes, he did. He will work it. It ain't started yet. It should be starting by now. Oh, can you see it? Oh, it's definitely like some of y'all. Generosity is a hard, hard topic. And it takes time. But in the modnik, in the kingdom of God, generosity flows. Can I get an amen? So many of you know that. So many of you have seen the generosity unfold in your life. That thing will keep getting stronger and stronger. And I wanted to just remind us, even as you listen to it, you're gonna hear it today. I noticed in the first service, I don't know if there's a correlation, but I noticed in the first service, more people than normal got up and went to the bathroom. I'm just saying. I'm, 
I'm just saying. So if you need to go to the bathroom, it's okay. Just run and come right back. Um, <laughs> generosity flows. And so what I want to do today is I just want to talk to you about that because in the Lord's prayer, the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, what we've been saying in this series is may up there, Lord God, come down here at all of our campuses really loud. Go. May up there, Lord God, come down here. It's generosity. One columnist that I recently read said there are basically two kinds of people uh, on the planet, two kinds of people. And I, I wanna unpack that a little bit more. Two kinds of people. So for instance, there are dog people and there are cat people. Who are my dog people? My people, my people. Look at there, look at there. The church can't be wrong. Let me see my cat people, my kitty cat people. Ushers, go ahead and escort them right on out right now. Just kidding. There are swimming pool people and beach people. How many of you are swimming pool people? How many of you are beach people? <laughs> I didn't throw this one in there. I guess there could be three kinds of people. This is my favorite. I love all of them. But how many of you are lake people, lake life? That's what I'm talking about. Here's one, morning people and night people. How many of you are morning people? How many of you are night people? How many of you are no people? Like you don't, you don't, you, you, you don't, you don't ever really get going. I mean, in fact, it's a miracle that you're here. <laughs> How many of you are coffee people versus tea people? Coffee people, coffee people, my people. Tea people, tea. Okay, okay. A cup of tea, you want a cup of tea? How many of you, tennis, tennis people versus golf people? Tennis people, show of hands, show of hands. Tennis people. Golf people. How many of you don't give a flying flip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love golf, but every time I'd play it, I almost feel like I lose my salvation. Say words I shouldn't say, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How many of you are country club people? Country club people versus YMCA people. Country club people? You schnitzy, uppity country club people? I love, I love you, don't, don't take me wrong. How many of you are like YMCA people? All right, all right, all right. Um, how many of you are New England Patriot fans? And how many of you are normal people? <laughs> so so there, there are two kinds of people and you know, I could go on and on and have fun with this, but here, here's the reality, check it out. Even though we're different and we have different opinions and preferences, there is one thing that unites us all. There's one thing that unites us all. It's, it's, the, it's the common denominator, might I say the lowest common denominator of humanity. It's in our fallen nature. It is the fact that we are all born with self-interest. Self-interest. I mean, think about it. We didn't come out of our mother's wombs as natural born givers. We came out of our mother's womb as a natural born taker. I mean, if you got a baby, your baby will let you know when they wanna be fed, and rightly so. And they don't give a flip if you are sleeping or whatever. When they are hungry, they are hungry. As they grow old, it doesn't really change. If you got a kid, for example, imagine Lily. If you got a little Lily, you didn't have to train Lily to go take something from her brother when she was little. You ever notice that you never had to train your children to take something. Why? Because we are natural born takers, right? We are natural born takers. We are people who have this proclivity for looking after self, self-interest. And here's the myth that many of us have come to buy into. And you might've bought into it and you might not even be aware of it. Here's the myth. The more I have, 
the happier I am. The more I have, the happier I am. We look around at what other people drive. Come on, yeah, we do. We look around at what they wear. We look around at the trips they take. We even look at their HGTV homes and we start lusting and we start wanting what other people have. We scroll through social media. And if you're not careful, you'll start looking at everyone's highlight reel. And before you know it, you've spent an hour or two on social media. And then before you know it, you are down and depressed and discontent with what you have. It's an epidemic in our culture. It's why we can walk into our closets that are full of clothes, full of clothes, and say, I have nothing, help me out, help me. <laughs> nothing to wear, right? How, what has happened to us? I mean, we, we have work clothes, and I don't mean like work around the yard clothes, you got work clothes, we got lay around the house clothes, or as my son Joshua said to me recently, that's Benji comfort clothes right there. We've got lay around the house clothes. We've got, we've got yard work clothes, right? We, we, we all have all these things and we buy into this myth that if I can just get more, I'll be happier. Now here's what's interesting about the modnik. Jesus came along 2000 years ago, turned that on its head and said, revolutionary, crazy stuff like this, it is more blessed to give than receive. Say what? It is more blessed to give than receive. Now show of hands, since we've been raising our hands today, how many of you wanna be blessed? Come on, I mean, it's not a trick question. How many of you wanna be blessed? Every single one of us. Some of you are like, I don't know what I should say. <laughs> it's okay to wanna be blessed. In fact, I think you ought to make that your prayer. Bless me, Lord. Bless me indeed. We wanna be blessed. We just sometimes confused about what that blessing looks like. But, he, but here's what's crazy before we really dig into the word today. The thing I love about this particular series and the thing I love about doing ministry in the 21st century is that even in secular society, I mean, even from an uh, uh, anthropological, truly humanistic perspective, science, Science is starting to confirm some of the crazy revolutionary stuff Jesus taught 2,000 years ago. You're like, what are you talking about? I want you to watch this. This is, this is from a secular perspective. It's a TED talk that I stumbled upon this week as I just Googled generosity. And I want you to watch. This is, this is not from a Christian perspective, but this is the best minute and 57 seconds you can spend on this G in the subject of modernic. Check it out. Healthier bodies. Greater empathy, lower rates of depression, longer lifespans. Doing just one thing will allow you to accrue all of these physical and emotional benefits. Not only will it improve your life, it will help your friends and their friends thrive too. You might be guessing the answer is exercise, or maybe meditation, or eight hours of sleep a night. All are good guesses, but they are not the answer. So what is the magic pill? It's generosity. Yes, generosity, the simple act of giving. In the book I co-authored on the topic, we cite study after study, showing that generous people are physically healthier, have greater empathy, suffer from lower rates of depression, and even live longer than those who don't practice generosity. 
The happiness chemicals, oxytocin and dopamine, are released when we give. One expert says that on a scale from one to 10, where 10 is a really powerful drug like insulin, generosity rates a seven or eight. And it doesn't matter how much or how little you have, whether you are rich or poor, whether you live in a developed or developing country, the studies show that giving to others improves our short-term happiness and our long-term well-being. The benefits of a generous life are demonstrable, verifiable, and authentic, and they are right within our grasp. But as we know, just because the research says something is good for us doesn't mean we do it. Did you catch that last part? She said, even though the data, the results, are verifiable, demonstrable, and authentic, doesn't mean that we do it. But come on, you know, don't you? You've been around generous people, and you know that some of the most joyful people on the planet are generous people. And you know, don't you, that some of the most, I don't know, mean-spirited, angry, discontent people are selfish and hoarding all of their lives. And so today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about this generosity. And you might think, oh, no, he's about to teach an entire message on money. Wrong. I don't feel led to do that today. And if I did, I would do that, right? I, a long time ago, I stopped worrying about teaching about money because it makes people feel uncomfortable. You know why I did that? Because when you study the scriptures, I've already said this, the number one topic that Jesus spoke on was the kingdom, the second most popular topic that Jesus spoke on was how we handle our resources. So I was going to, but the Spirit of God, I just didn't feel led to teach an entire message on money today. But what I want to do is I want to talk to you about three components of generosity that I see as being absolutely imperative in this particular day and age. The first one, if you're a note taker, write this down. If you're not a note taker, I hope you'll write this down. <laughs> It's generosity in kindness, in kindness. Guys, I don't, you know, I've only been on this planet 50 years. I just turned 50. I've never seen this world the way it is right now. I don't know if it's because of the last year that we've been through, but with the global pandemic followed by the brutal murder of George Floyd, followed by all of the race relations and riots in our world, followed by an incredibly, extremely, polemical political season, followed by the fact that people are just sick and tired of all of this, people are walking around and they're ready to snap on you. People are angry. They're hostile. They're ready, to, they're ready to fight. They're ready to yell at you. They're ready to do whatever. And I just gotta say to you that I believe that there is something that the church really needs to make sure we get right. It is the idea that we as Christians, if you're a Christian, we should lead the way in kindness, in kindness. And what's really unfortunate is that if you look at the churches around the world, and, and again, I, I'll call us, I'll tell it when I think it's on us, but this is what I think about New Hope. You're, you're one of the most kind churches on the planet. We hear this all the time. People walk here, they feel like they're coming home. They experience the joy of the Lord, never experienced such warmth and friendliness in the church at New Hope, way to go, New Hope. But here's the reality. If you go to some churches, that's not what you find. 
Some of you have experienced this. And if you're new here, don't get the wrong idea. I'm not a guy who bashes other churches. I just don't do that. I believe God uses all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. I'm just talking about this particular issue. Sometimes, and for the life of me, I can't understand why this is the case. Sometimes Christians are some of the meanest people on the planet. I mean, like mean. I've been to churches where the people at the door serving as an usher look like they ate a sour onion sandwich for breakfast. They just mean. They'll stare at you if you don't wear the right clothes. They'll stare at you if you don't have the right car. They'll stare at you if you don't look like you are a Christian. And I'm thinking, what in the world is that? Think about the churches in our nation that have been so laced with racism I was speaking with a person just this week and I, I believe, I'm not judging him, but I believe the person was a racist and I was calling him out on We were having a conversation and he, he was talking about New Hope. He goes, man, how did y'all get to be so diverse? We can't get any diversity at our church. And I heard him go on and on and on. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, hey, I wonder if this might be the case. I wonder if maybe you go to a church where racists feel more welcome than African-Americans. Like, if that was the case, brother, and I said this to him, that might be the clue phone ringing and it is for you and your pastor. I can say the same thing about all black churches, by the way. There are, there are black churches that, that they don't welcome other people. There are Latino churches, all Latino. What is up with all of these churches that actually think that they need to be all one ethnic group. Listen, when we get to heaven, there are not gonna be any divisions that say this color goes here and this color goes here. When we get to heaven, we're all gonna be in the church. Why, what makes us think we can be mean to people because of the color of their skin or me? And, and here's another thing, uh, and this is really, really important. You can fundamentally disagree with someone and still be kind to them. Like guys, I'm around people all the time that I just fundamentally disagree with their theology or lack thereof. I disagree with their sexual orientation. I disagree with, with some of the stuff that we see going on in our culture now with, with sexuality. I can disagree with maybe what they do or what they don't do, what they say, what they don't say. But listen, we can disagree with people and not be mean about it. We can disagree with people and still be kind. We can disagree with people without being disagreeable and mean-spirited. The Bible says things like this. Oh, let's read it out loud together. Ephesians 4, 32, out loud, really strong. Ready, go. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Man, you sound great today. Keep it going. Proverbs eleven seventeen. Go. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Colossians 3, 12. Go. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Kindness, life in the modernic, as you become a Christian, as you grow in Christ, we are to embody kindness. And here's what helped me a long time ago as I saw our nation starting to get meaner and meaner and differing on all kinds of things. I mean, we call ourselves the United States of America. Folks, we are united about very few things. But here's what I concluded. You can either make a difference or you can make a point 
but you can't do both. Oh my, oh my, she says, say it again, I will. <laughs> you can make a point or you can make a difference, but you can't do both. And the problem is so many people are walking around trying to make a point. I don't care about making a point. I don't know about you, I got one life to live. I wanna make a difference. Get off that making a point. Get off that idea that you always have to ante up and, and pony up and muscle up and be right. I don't give a flip about being right or making a point. I, I wanna make a difference. And the way you make a difference is you just learn to be kind with people because I don't know if you figured this out, but in this culture, if you aren't kind, they will turn you off like a switch. They will not, it's just, I preach. I, somebody gonna get me going over here on this side. I got my amen corner right over here. Romans 2, 3, and 4, look at what the Bible says. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Hello. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Kindness. Everybody say kindness. Here's the second thing I feel like we really, really need, not only for the people who have hurt us, but some of you desperately need this for yourself or you are going to grow bitter and angry and your, your bitterness and unforgiving spirit is gonna eat you up like cancer. I think God is calling us to have a, a revolution, if you will, to be generous, write it in, with forgiveness. Oh my, forgiveness. This is an issue, again, that will impact those who have hurt you. And I want to just be, just pause for just a moment and, and just say this right now. I know that I'm speaking to a lot of people who have been hurt really bad. Some of you have had things done to you. I've had things done to me. Y'all know my story from a very young age on where in your human nature, you might feel like you have every right to be angry for the rest of your life. From a human perspective, you might feel like you have every reason to hold a grudge against that person for the rest of your life. And you can do that if you want. God gives you that option. But if you do, what will happen is you will become a mean-spirited, angry person where bitterness and grudges eat you up from the inside out. We are called by God to be generous with forgiveness. Colossians 3, 13, out loud together, church. Here we go. Bear with each other and, and do what? Forgive one another. Let's continue. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That puts it into perspective. If you are a Christian, don't you love the forgiveness of God? Come on, if you are a Christian, don't you thank God every single day that he forgives you of your sins? It's a beautiful thing. The Bible is saying, as you've received forgiveness, you should forgive others. We've been, um, we've been saying the Lord's Prayer, right? We prayed it earlier. Uh, that comes from Matthew 6. Check this out. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, the very next verse Matthew 6, 14 and 15, this is what the Bible says. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Don't move, don't, don't go, go back, go back, go back. 
If you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Amen? That's good news. Don't you wish it ended right there, right? But Jesus continues. Look at what he says in the very next verse. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. To which I might say, what you talking about, Lord? Like, really? That's been a challenge for me. That verse just continues to live with me, which is why I continue to do everything I can possibly do to forgive family members, people in general. I'm calling you to forgive family members, spouses, aunts, uncles, colleagues, maybe even businesses that have hurt you. And if you don't, the reason the Bible teaches us to forgive is because the Bible knows, Jesus knows that if you don't learn to forgive, you will be eaten up on the inside. It will eat you like cancer. God calls us to forgive. One mom, a single mom, was in a restaurant with her kids. And uh, they were getting ready to order and eat. And the mom asked the kid to pray over the food. I don't know if you do that. You should do that. It's good for your kids. Put them on the spot. And, uh, and, and don't, don't judge them. The kids' prayers can be whatever they want to be, right? And, and this, this little girl prayed this prayer. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. God is good. <clears throat> God is great. Thank you for the food. And I would even thank you more if mom would get us some ice cream for dessert. And then she said this, and liberty and justice for all, amen. I love it. Along with the laughter at the table, right, came this, this mean-spirited voice from a nearby waitress. You ever met people like this? They're everywhere. She said, that's what's wrong with our country. Kids today don't even know how to pray, asking God for ice cream. <laughs> and she says, why not never? Hearing this, the, the little girl got upset and she said, mom, did I say something wrong? And the mom said, no, you didn't say anything wrong, baby. It's okay. There was a guy sitting in the booth right beside him and the guy leaned over and said, hey, sweetie, I just want to let you know that I think your prayer was perfect. He goes, I think more people should pray for ice cream. It's good for your soul. <laughs> I got some ice cream people out here. I'm with you. Come on. We go get some ice cream today in honor of this little girl. No, but the story's not done yet. At that point in time, they ate, and the mom, I mean, what was the mom gonna do? Any mom worth her salt at that point in time is gonna buy the girl some ice cream. So the mom bought ice cream, and the girl, when the ice cream came to her table, got up from her table, walked the ice cream over to the mean-spirited waitress and said, hey, here's some ice cream. It's good for your soul, and my soul is good. Come on now. Woohoo! Kindness and forgiveness is embodied in that story, right? Forgiveness. The little girl, Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. The call for kindness in our world is a desperate call. The call for forgiveness in your world for the person who has hurt you, but hear me, for you is so key. Now, I could talk about this a while, but I'm gonna move on. But let me, let me give you two books that I highly recommend. You guys know my story. I've spent my life, my life 
trying to do what I'm teaching you right now. And I praise God that I'm a person who, and you ask folks who know me well, I just don't hold grudges. I, God is, just, once, I, once I've walked with Christ so long, holding grudges do you no good. You just gotta learn to forgive and forget and move on. Here are two books that have been really, really key in this particular topic. Here's the first one, I've read it twice and I've done the workbook with it. Healing is a Choice by Steve Otterburn. Encourage you to read that. Healing is a choice, cannot recommend it enough. If you're sitting here thinking, I really need to forgive him. I really need to forgive her. Here's another book. Some of you ladies are big fans of Lisa Turkhorst. Lisa Turkhorst wrote a book called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And I know some of you don't have anything to write with, so I think I will actually put those out on social media this week because I know that this is a touchy, tender topic for some of you. In the Modnik, generosity flows. First thing we're called to flow with as we look at scriptures today is what? Kindness. How are you doing with kindness? Guys, just smile at people. You'd be amazed at what a smile does. Say hey to people that don't look like you, that don't act like you. Open up a door for somebody. Pick up a tab for somebody. Just be Kind for the love of God. Amen? Here's the second one. Be generous with your forgiveness. Don't hold grudges. It will do you no good. Here's, here's the third and final thing, and we'll sing a song and, and we'll go home. What? What? That's funny. I don't know what. what. <laughs> I don't know why you laughed about that. Generous with your money. Generous with your money. You know that I can't teach a topic on generosity without hitting money. Could have made the entire sermon on that, but again, didn't feel led to it. Let me just camp out here on the wall. I know we have some new people in the church, new people in the faith. And some of you walk up to a church like this, you're like, how did I do this? How does that happen? Here's how it happens. There's this principle in the scripture that, that runs from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's the principle of the tithe. Tithe, not tie, tithe, T-I-T-H-E. In the Old and the New Testament, the word is apodicato. It is the biblical principle that runs throughout scripture that the people of God, one of the primary ways in which they let generosity flow through them as the people of God is through giving the tithe. It's percentage giving. It's 10% where everybody who knows the Lord, loves the Lord, and wants to have generosity flow in their lives, figure out their income streams. It's not, it's not rocket science. They figure out their income streams. They do the math, multiply it by 10%, and they either then divide that by 52 if they're gonna give weekly, or they divide it by 12, which is mo what most people do around here. It's what we do. You divide it by 12, you hit reoccurring on your online giving, and that is your tithe. That is the way in which you let generosity flow in your life when it comes to money. Now, before I say much more about money, I wanna just pause and state something that we don't always remember, but it's a heart issue. It's not just a, a dollars and cents issue. Jesus, this is not Benji, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Generosity, when it comes to money, is about your heart. How many of you have been to the doctor lately? Anybody been to a doctor? I went to the doctor this week. Um, I never go to the doctor. I'm the typical guy. I don't, when they ask you those questions on those forms that you fill out, who's your general you know, doctor, your general physician? I like, I always put N-A because <laughs> I don't have a doctor. But I decided to change that. So I went for a physical this week and just had a great experience with the doctor. But as I was sitting there in the doctor's office, I had this thought, isn't it interesting when we go to the doctor, if we have something wrong with us, Say we have a, a physical ailment or there's something sore in our kidney area or we, we pulled a muscle or somebody I saw earlier, I just had knee surgery. When you, when you go to the doctor, if they press and prod and sometimes make an incision, it's tender, right? It, it causes you to wince. It, it, there's some pain to it. The reason why in this very moment, as I talk about money, the reason why some of you will wince a little bit, some of you will get some consternation, if you will, some of you will experience some frustration with me or some pain, realize this, you, you have a heart issue. And I am so fine with just kind of letting that hang there for a moment. You, you might have a heart issue whenever this topic comes up in the church and you don't like it, can I just ask you to just put down your defenses for a moment and just think about this. Just, just think about this for a moment. There is no gospel without generosity. There is no gospel without generosity. The reason generosity flows in the modnik is because God, has he not? He's been so generous with us. Has he not? Think about how Ephesians and Colossians talks about the way in which God lavishes on us his love and his grace and his forgiveness. God is a generous God, amen? Amen? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his one and only son. He didn't give 10%. God gave everything. The gospel is laced with generosity, it's why Jesus would say this in Matthew 23, 23, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a 10th of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In other words, think about it here for a moment. The, the Pharisees weren't being kind. They surely weren't being forgiven. They were being mean-spirited snakes. And Jesus said, you give a 10th, but you're missing these other things. You need, to, you need to embody these things while also, look what it says, without neglecting the former. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 16 too. On the first day of every week, that's a Sunday, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. That's the percentage giving, tithe, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And I'm gonna say something here today. I hope I've earned the right to say these kinds of things in the last 20 years. I, I hope I have. You're here on a special day because I'm gonna say something that I've never said before, ever, from this stage. But I'm gonna say something that I really believe is true. I really believe that this is true. If, if, you are not generous. 
with your stuff. I'm not just talking about money, but just stuff in general, but definitely in the, in the tithe. If you are not generous, you might, I'm not gonna judge you and I'm not gonna tell you to do this, but you might question whether you've experienced the fullness of the gospel. And if you can't say amen, you know, it's okay to say ouch. I get it. I get it. Let me say it one more time, maybe in a different way. If you are a Christian, Christian, and yet you've never been able to be generous, you're a Christian and yet you've never really made a commitment to honor God with the biblical tithe, you should, I'll change the word from might to should, you should question whether or not you've truly experienced the gospel, the glorious gospel of God's grace. Now, I'm not judging you, and I'm definitely not throwing stones at you. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just thrusting a big question your way. Because when a person truly experiences the gospel, two very important things. I mean, when they truly get it, where they know that they know that they know that they are saved by the blood of Jesus. They know that they know that they know that Jesus died on a cross for them. His shed blood forgives your sin. He paid a price that you couldn't pay. When you fully understand that, you understand two things. One, the generosity of God in saving you, right? Oh my Lord, how generous has he been with me and you? Oh my Lord. But then secondly, you realize that the gospel is the most beautiful thing on planet earth. You realize that the gospel is that treasure that Jesus talks about. And when you fully understand what he's done for you and you fully understand the beauty and the treasure of the gospel, then it's nothing for you to say, I'm gonna give some of my money to advance that gospel, right? It's just a part of fully marinating in and understanding the beauty of the gospel because who would not, let me just get real practical for a moment. And then, like I said, we're going to be done. Who would not want to figure up their income streams, tap into one of these ways to give? You see it every Sunday, but they might throw it back up there. One of these ways to give. Who would not want to figure out what their tithe is, do the math, use technology to set it up reoccurring where every single month you just know that it's happening. Who would not want to do that and pour into a church where we see the favor and the hand of God moving in our midst every single week. I mean, I mean, think about it. Let me, just, let me just share some things with you. Last year, in the midst of a global pandemic, 242 people, that's just the ones we know, got saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 242! <laughs> Baptisms are happening every single Week. We saw over 1,200 first-time guests last week. Our Facebook engagement with those online has gone to 18%. Instagram jumped up 34%. And our YouTube channel is up 26%. Through you sowing into this ministry, we are ministering to, to approximately 11,700 people on YouTube. Come on. Connect the dots. That's what you're doing. That's not just what Benji does. That's, that's what we do together. That's just reach. 
Let's, let's celebrate God a little bit today in the teach component. We had 212 new members last year commit to the mission, 427 rooted graduates, 806 people in life groups last year, 1,200 elementary kids and students ministered to as we sent out these at-home kits, right? Release, Super Bowl Sunday last year, we collected 10,000 pounds of food across the movement. Duke Children's Hospital, we created and knitted hats for premature and cancer kid patients. Handwritten cards to pastors in this area asking them to not throw in the towel. We need you in the game. Postal Worker Appreciation Breakfast. Pruitt Healthcare Nursing Home where we shared candles and messages. Masks, we bought thousands of masks and we got them to all of the retirement centers and nursing homes to protect the elderly. Local Food Bank donated 2,000 meals. Red Cross Blood Drive, oh, I'm running out of breath. Military Care packages, Ronald McDonald uh, activity bags, Rise Against Hunger. Through your generosity, we gave 10,000 meals to people who were hungry. Hope Center in Kenya, we, we actually sent a container over there, $63,000 investment that you sowed into the ministry of this church. We have an orphanage over there, constructed a commercial kitchen in the Hope Center, purchased and filled a shipping container with lots of supplies for the Kenya campus. Now we use that very same container where we put solar panels on top of it, so now they're getting electricity. You're doing this. You're doing this through your generosity. Lunch and fellowship with the Durham Police Department. You gave 1,600 of my most recent books to prison inmates so they could hear and see and experience the gospel in jail. 500 world changers participated in all these events. Family to family Thanksgiving meals. Operation Christmas Child. 400 bags to the Raleigh Durham Center. Coat drive. 678 items we gave to people who would be cold this year. 400 bags created for the Raleigh Dream Center, which by the way, we're going to the Raleigh Dream Center this Saturday. I could go on and on and on. Like I said, I'm running out of breath. Help me. Would you praise the name? Would you praise the name of the Lord? Now listen, listen, and I'm done. But I want to invite you to do something. If you can name one movement that has more redemptive potential then the church of Jesus Christ, grab me out on the patio, I'll be out there and tell me what it is. In, in secular terms, some of you will get this language. Tell me an organization that has that kind of ROI, return on investment. There's not one. Why? Because there's nothing like the church of Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's nothing like the church of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I know she's not perfect. You're daggone right, she's not perfect. She's made up of people like me and you. But God covers us, does he not? And when we sow into his movement, there is not a more redemptive movement on planet earth like the church of Jesus Christ. Why would you not want to bring 10% of your resources and let the generosity of God flow in your life? A story, and we're done. If you've been to Israel, a lot of you have been there with me, there's two main bodies of water. Two main bodies of water. There's the Sea of Galilee, and there's the Dead Sea. And they're connected by the Jordan River. You've heard of the Jordan River. The Sea of Galilee is by far one of my favorite places on the planet. It is the most beautiful place you would ever imagine. There's flowers there's fish. I've eaten their fish out of the, the Sea of Galilee so many times. It's delicious. There's, there's, there's life. 
There's, there's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, lush place, the Sea of Galilee. Juxtapose that with the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is a place that represents death, stench. There, there's no life. There's no fish. If you go to the Dead Sea, which I hope you'll do, we'll probably go back in 2022, you, I will encourage you to go out into the Dead Sea and swim. I'll also encourage you to swim in the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful. Swim in the Dead Sea, you don't even have to worry about floating. The salt level is so high that it floats you like a cork. Now, here's what's interesting. What's the difference? Why does the Sea of Galilee have so much life and the Dead Sea have so much death? Here it is. The Sea of Galilee takes water from the Jordan River and it receives water and it releases water. Receives water and it releases water. As a result, there's life. Fresh life. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, also receives water from the Jordan River, but it hoards it. There is no outlet. The Dead Sea receives the water, but it doesn't give. It, it receives, but it doesn't give. It represents death. The Sea of Galilee receives and gives. It's a, it's, it's a conduit. It's a conduit. The water comes in and the water goes out. It's the generosity that flows. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, it's not a conduit, it's a container. The water comes in and it holds the water. There is no life. There is no flow. There's only death. The question I would ask you is what do you want to be? What do you want to be? It's really important that you know that at a time like this, it's really not so much that I want something from you. And again, I hope I've earned the right to say these things and I hope you trust me. I've been at this for 20 years with you at New Hope. It's not so much that I want something from you. It's that I want something for you. For you. Because you can't outgive God. And when God looks at a person and realizes, oh, there's a person who will take my resources and allow them to be a conduit to flow through and bring life to others, then God wants to send blessings in that person's life. And in the same way, I believe when God looks at a person and all they want to do is hoard and all they want to do is be greedy and they want to be a container and not a conduit and, and all they want to do is just me, 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 me. I, I'm not so sure God wants to pour blessings in that person's life. So the choice is yours. I don't have to try to yell at you, manipulate you, and no, nah, get up here sweating with a sweat cloth. Ha! Start, start telling you, I'm doing all these, all these preacher tactics. I don't need to do that. The choice is yours. Have you ever really thought about it and moved on it? Married people, I'm amazed how many married people never talk about messages afterwards. Can I ask you married people or dating people, or whatever they, go talk about this. Like have a nice romantic dinner and let this topic be the subject. If you never talk about it, what happens is we're gonna sing this song, you're gonna get in the car and you're just gonna let it be. Like wrestle with this, talk about, what kind of person do we wanna be? What kind of family do we wanna have, single person? What kind of person do I wanna be that will position me for God's blessings to flow in my life? 
and then act on it. Act on it. And let the generosity of God flow in and through your life. I wonder if you'll do something for me as we close. I wonder if you'll just take your hands and just hold them up towards heaven. Oh, you guys are great. Will you pray with me? All heads bowed, eyes closed, just hands open. I said earlier that we all come into this world with our fists clenched. We're takers. But when a person truly experiences the gospel, those hands start to open. And they realize that nothing they have really belongs to them. It's all given from the gracious hand of Almighty God. And so Father, we thank you. Thank you for the way you've blessed us. God, we thank you for the modnik, the kingdom of God, the upside down nature of this kingdom. And Father, we're blown away by the way in which even modern day science is starting to confirm some of these revolutionary truths that your son Jesus taught us. Father, I pray for every single person here today at any of our campuses and those online. God, as I get ready to say amen and we get ready to stand and sing and jump in our cars or on our motorcycles and ride off, God, oh God, would this one live with us a while? Would we wrestle with this? Will we really step up to the plate once and for all and realize that on the other side of this obedience, comes blessings, blessings that are at times money related, blessings that are at times materialistically related, but more importantly, God, I'd say blessings that come from being content, having our lives tapped into the purposes of God and knowing not only have we received the gospel, but that in and through us, we are sharing the gospel so that others might know you more. Father, we're sorry. Maybe that's where you need to start today. God, I've been selfish. I'm greedy and I'm like that dead sea. I'm just a container, I'm hoarding stuff. God, I repent of that. I turn from that and I wanna be like the Sea of Galilee. I want the resources to flow in and out of my life. Have your way with us today, oh God. Have your way. We pray in the name of Jesus who gave it all. Amen. So our bands are gonna come out and we're gonna sing a song. <clears throat> I want you to sing it to the top of your lungs. Masks are really good for some of you in that way. You don't have to worry about people hearing you. Just sing. If you sing like me, a mask is a beautiful thing. Just cover it up and let it rip. <laughs> We're gonna sing a, sing a song uh, titled, Oh, Praise the Name. It's all about the praise of God. And, and, and let the message continue to resound in your spirit and your heart because the truth is, as we sing this song, one of the primary ways in which God wants to use you to bring praise to him 
is when you honor him and let generosity flow. Amen? Love you, church. Great being with you today.